0: Okay, so this is Thistle Pedersen, and I am at the WWTLC gathering on the land, and when I say the land, I mean the land where the Michigan Women's Music Festival was held for 40 years until 2015, and uh, I'm with Leslie Gallagher and Karen Thompson, and they are both members of the board of directors for this project that owns the land after the Mich- Michigan Festival was closed in 2015, and nobody really knew what was going to happen to the land after Mishfest ended. So um, I just wanted to start by asking you a little bit about your story of how you came to this group, WWTLC, We Want the Land Coalition, and when it was founded and why it was founded, and what your role has been.
1: Would you like to start, Leslie? Sure, I can start. Well, I attended festival for 15 years, and I worked one of those years. And so I've had a long-standing tie to this community and to this space, and I was transformed by it in so many ways as a participant in the various capacities. And so, you know, when it ended, just because of some things that had happened, I was actually kind of okay about the fact that it ended. I had a mentor once who taught me about the importance of endings, and so honoring the entity by honoring also the ending. And so there was a part of me that was okay with it being done. But I did expect that there would be a group That would come together and to take up the mantle and and continue it in some form or another. And you know, a year went by and nothing had manifested or will manifested. And a couple months prior to the sort of the start of this, my wife, who is sort of a non gender conforming presenting woman, was having some feelings about being in the world as a non-gender conforming woman and specifically about how this space spoke to her specifically being safe and being seen as a woman and I know that is true for so many women who've been here that this is the space where they have come and it is they feel seen as women in ways that they do not out in the world when they're questioned in bathrooms and served and all of that so she was having feelings about it and I of course I'm an empath I had feelings about my wife having feelings about it and then you know that that conversation ended and then a couple months later I just woke up one day I mean I I literally just woke up and I was like I wonder if we could buy the land like if if we could just preserve that part of this for now if we could you know baby steps what if we just focus on securing the land? And I emailed Lisa Vogel, the previous owner and producer of the Michigan Women's Music Festival for those 40 years. I emailed her. I feel like it was July 13th. and Of what year? Of 2016. And I said, you know, I said, Lisa, this might be a crazy question, but would you consider selling the land separate from the festival, and the festival inventory, and, and, and she somehow immediately wrote back and said, yes I would, and in fact I intend to put the land on the market in a few months, and I'm here in Michigan working on inventory for an auction. And so I forwarded that to Nidra Johnson, and my wife Nidra immediately wrote back and said, we have to do something we have to do something and I knew that there had been another effort where a few people had gotten together right after the festival had ended to kind of talk about what could possibly come next and it it kind of just faded out and so I reached out to those individuals who were involved in that initial effort to see if they were would still be interested in figuring out something but my idea was that if an organization could hold the land in a sort of land trust, which is, I think, an a understood term. It's not it's not relevant in Michigan, so we, we don't use that language anymore. But my idea was if we could separate the land from the activities in a certain kind of way, kind of insulate the land itself from the things that happen here to kind of protect it from the attacks on the community um, that had gathered here if we could figure out a way to do that if we could secure the land then we could build whatever we needed to moving forward I mean Lisa started this when she was 19 with her sister and a handful of others and she started from ground zero right and over the years it had amassed into this amazing community experience and i know that folks have an understanding or an expectation of of that kind of level of experience and so kind of honoring that there's an ending and that there's a beginning in the beginning we have to kind of start over and build from the ground up and think about it in terms of beyond one week a year that was really key for me because i know so many teachers whose Schedules start in August, and who couldn't come? So many people are like, I would love to go, but I was never able to go because it conflicted with my job. And so, thinking about opening up the space I mean, opening up the space in a way that would be more accessible to more women, to more girls over many weeks, so that all could have the opportunity to come and experience the transformative, cathartic thing. I don't, there's not a word for it. Nature of this place. Yes. Right? The thing that happens when you step inside the gate. I was just talking about this, about how the first time I came I was like, there's no way that I could go without my bra. You know, coming to the land, there's no way I could not wear a bra. And I spent a couple weeks literally in therapy talking about this. Like, how is I going to be able to handle the showers? How is I going to be able to handle this? How is I going to be able to handle that? And just you know all that stuff and I really thought like I'm, I'm not gonna be able to I'm gonna have to shower at my tent I have to figure this out whatever and I walked in and I was in the parking lot and I was pulling my bra off through my shirt through my sleeve you know it's like I got into the parking lot I didn't even know what I was in for you know and this summer one of my best friends brought her partner who has never experienced festival and you know, she too was like, I'm not going to be able to shower with others and I'm, I'm going to feel real uncomfortable with this or that. And, you know, by the second day, you know, she's like, I took a 45-minute shower and singing and saying hey to all the ladies, you know. So we don't have to have all the infrastructure. We don't have to have all of the different activities and the film festival and the workshops. We don't have to have that for that basic sort of transformation to happen. And that's something that you never, that's a boundary you cross and you never go back. You never go back. It never happens the next year. Like you never worry about being in the showers. Like you just never cross back over that, that once that
0: threshold has been crossed, it you, it changes you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Leslie. And um, could you talk just a little bit about the decision to collectively own the land as opposed to having a single owner and what that means about this new project because it really is starting from scratch
1: well I mean I don't have 1.5 million Mm dollars so there's that but we have a whole community that is rife with resources of varying kinds and the community is motivated to save this space and the idea I mean there was talk about to some degree about structure but the idea was that you know it's not one person it's not one person providing for everyone I mean I think everyone Lisa became like this mythical figure who provided for everyone and I certainly didn't want that role and this is a community and it should be and the idea is that there's an organization that will be entrusted with the care and preservation of this land in perpetuity so we will pass off the torches within our own community to, so that there is that continuity and carrying on of community traditions and values. And I don't know that there is anyone who could have stepped into Lisa's shoes and it had been okay. Like, I mean, there's nobody who could. How could anyone step into her shoes? And so this way, when you pull from the community, you pull trusted individuals who are known entities who have certain skills then you can and what we did amazingly was we were blessed with the trust of the community and we raised four hundred and ten thousand dollars in less than a year because of those connections because of those connections and those relationships that had been built and deepened over decades so for me It feels like a community cause and even beyond this community because the idea is in perpetuity. So when I'm dead and gone and my ashes are spread somewhere Mm -hmm. here, what we all wanted was to make sure that this land never or was always held in women's hands.
0: Yeah. Could you recite the chant? It's so simple, but it kind of sums up the the purpose of the organization that you had us all stand up and hold hands last night and say it's our tagline and it's for women for girls forever so simple but it says so much yeah yeah okay thank you uh so much leslie and so now we'll turn to karen thompson Mm -hmm. who is a board member where are you from karen
2: i grew up in chicago but i live in brooklyn new york
0: Awesome, and what has been your experience at, with MischFest? I uh, came here in
2: 1993 for the first time, and I attended for basically 20 years as a worker for 19 and a festie for one. And I worked in all different areas of the festival, but most of my time was spent in what we called the operations, which was the group of women who were making sure that the festival ran. and was built up and taken down every year. So I got to kind of see everything from that point of view during my time.
0: Yeah, and you said earlier when we went to that session where board members introduced themselves that for you this is a political project. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I think, well, let me tell you a little story. So Lisa Vogel, who we're not trying to idealize, and I don't think anyone is trying to make her any more than the hardworking person that she is, but she's a really incredible woman. And she told me this story about the early days of the festival, and how there would be a moment where a white woman would come up to her and say, "There's a man on the land," and you know everybody would you know get ready to confront this person, and they'd go find them, and it would turn out that the man was in fact a black woman. And That happened over and over and over to the point where whenever anyone came up to her and said, there's a man on the land, she'd say, is is the person black? And they'd say, yes. And she'd say, no, that's actually a woman. And your, your racism is doing something here. So when women of color started coming to her and saying, we need a women of color space on the land, she instantly got behind that and instantly created a central large space on the land for women of color to have their own area because she saw it all in action and one of the things that she made a central tenant of the festival was that conflict and mistakes are okay because from all of those things you learn how to do things better and you learn how to be smarter and that doesn't mean that you're not going to make more mistakes it doesn't mean that there's not going to be remaining conflict it just means that you make as a central way of being communication and understanding and I think that is kind of the bigger balloon about Michigan. It's one of the things that although we're leaving the festival behind and I'm with Leslie when she says that I'm okay with an end. I think things have to die for things to come out of the ashes and I miss it. I'm always going to miss it for the rest of my life but she's over but what she's left with us is not only this beautiful place that has sucked up kind of the energy and love of all of those years, but she's also left us with very clear political tools that liberate women and that teach us how to do political work in a way that's actually transformative. So right now we're in this time of virtue signaling and we're in this time where people believe in activism as almost a passive act. Like it's easy to do it when you're tweeting or it's easy to do it when you're making a video blog and putting it on YouTube or writing something on Facebook. But as you can see from walking around here, this is a living activism. And we are engaged with each other. We are in struggle with each other. Um, And we're in revolution with each other. And I think part of getting this land and buying it and making sure it's here forever is to guarantee that there's always space to do that work and that's what we're trying to do
0: wonderful how did this event in August of 2017 come together who, who planned it and what was the purpose of this event
1: well, first of all, I want to say that it is not an event. <laughs> I need to be very clear because WWTLC does not produce events. What this was was a a trial run for setting up the basic infrastructure of the electrics and the water because it hadn't been turned on in two years. So we needed to make sure that we knew how to do that, that we had the equipment to do that, and that it could be done and that things were in good repair and so that was part of it but the other part is that how we are structuring our organization and how we are furthering our mission is by spreading out the responsibility for creating women-only spaces to the community itself over the years As I'm sure you're aware, you know, there was a lot of criticism of festival for it not being something that other people thought it should be. And so the idea was to that there are 651 acres and there are 365 days out of the year and that there is time and time enough and space enough for everyone to create the kind of space that they need. And so in order for that to happen, we need to have event producers and gathering planners. So what we did was we solicited interest from the community of those who were interested in putting on an event or planning a gathering here on the land because those are actually our customers and I'm putting that in quotes because I don't feel like that's a good word for it but those are the women who are going to be the people renting the space and organizing gatherings and those are the people that we intend to work most closely with moving forward and those are the people who are going to help us cover our basic expenses from year to year so we put out a call to the community inviting folks to sign up for a group to start talking about events on the land and resource sharing and knowledge sharing experience sharing that sort of thing and we decided to invite them those those who responded to come have a planning meeting and a work week with us here so also in addition to setting up the electrics and setting up the water that we would have a sense of how much having something on the land would cost so that we could make adjustments and start planning for next year when we hope to actually host events that others have organized. So this was kind of a trial run and so it served multiple purposes. Of course there is the The purpose of having folks back on the land so that we remember. We remember what it is that we're trying to carry forward and and create moving forward and maintain this degree of community and this type of community. But also it served practical purposes of having the experience of doing something and seeing what it could look like so that we have information to be able to support event planners in the future. So it's not an event. It is a gathering by definition, but really the idea was it was a work week for those who intend and have the passion and the ideas to further our mission next summer, you know, starting next summer. Wonderful.
0: What would you say to someone who never got to go to Mishfest? And how they could get involved with this new project? Because a lot of our listeners, I, I feel, I, some are mishvestis, but there are a lot of real young women that are tuning in to WLRN. How can women get involved with this project? What what can what can women do?
2: Well, I think the beauty of it is that it's easy. It, there's not one way, and they're not complicated ways. So. I mean, I'm going to pitch this, obviously, because it's a clear thing, but donating is always fantastic. And um, people can go to our website, www.tlc.org. But you can go there and you can read up on everything and you can figure out how to donate that way. But one of the other ways that you can participate is by getting a group of people together and making your own event happen and bringing it here. We are obviously still working out some of the cost issues and we're trying to make sure that it is accessible to as many people as possible possible. But in this time, when I don't think there's a lot of opportunity for any women, much less young women, much less feminist women, much less lesbian feminist women to gather. It's a, a real door opening to come to a place where your being is the baseline and not the exception. And I think that's one of the things that's so healing about being here. You don't have to expend any energy with some of your basic ideas about who you are. And I'm not, again, everything that we do as different people involves struggle. So I'm not saying you cross the gate and suddenly racism goes away or classism goes away or ableism goes away. But what happens when you do cross the gate here is that you engage. And so for you know young women who are maybe feeling like they're being hairy and having a beard is weird or who refuse to act out some old and tired ideas of gender and how women are supposed to be or women who feel too fat or too thin or too tall or too skinny or who are struggling because they have they're in a wheelchair all of that stuff does not matter you get here and you become the thing that you want to be and so i hope that people will just use this land and use us as a resource to get really clear about themselves the world is getting more and more terrifying every day and i think Every time we come here, we tap up with the ability to fight. And so surviving and fighting is also here with joy and laughter and all of the things that um, make us whole.
0: Wonderful. Awesome. So is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners?
2: I think I'm just going to speak to, because I know, I think your question, (laughs) I've heard a little bit about your story personally, Thistle, and I know that it's a bigger question in the community, and so I think we would just be happy addressing this directly, and Leslie might have some things to say as well, but we are not defining who a woman is. We are not telling people who can be here. So, Michigan was pilloried because of the intention, which is that the space be for women-born women, and... I fought for years and years for that intention. I believe very strongly that any oppressed person in white, capitalist, supremacist, patriarchal society, anyone who is impacted by that deserves a chance to get themselves whole. And I think that separate spaces are important for that. My parents are immigrants. I'm a first generation person. I feel like if I had a a moment where I only wanted to be around other Caribbean descended people and not a Black American people, not Black African people, that would be fine. And I think if African people wanted to exclude me because I was born in the United States, that would be fine. We all need to do what we need to do to get ourselves free. And I will fight you know, till the end for that defined space. But that is not what we're doing here. We've been very clear that we are starting something anew. And, and what that means for us is that any organization who is here to benefit women and girls can benefit women and girls. And it is up to that organization to decide who their membership will be and who will attend the events here. So we just want it to be very clear going out.
0: Awesome. That sounds great. And I, I hope that because it is Mishfest land that it won't be attacked. You know what I mean? Because I was naive. I I didn't think they would attack my place of employment that has nothing to do at all with my political thoughts Mm -hmm. and ideas and the conversations that I have with women who believe in separatist spaces. Mm -hmm. I thought it was separate, right, Mm -hmm. by definition. And so, um, but what I discovered, unfortunately, is because it's woman-hating, and Lisa Vogel said it actually once, she said... Even when we said we're just going to focus on the female and have female imagery and be inclusive of everybody, I don't think she ever said we're not going to have the intention. I know that she always stuck with that. That was like the very last thing, you know, but they came for everything. And my point is, is I did a music festival in Madison that was inclusive and everybody was welcome. It was open to the public and it didn't matter. Because it was focused on women and the female, and that's really what the trans movement is about. It's, like, misogynistic to the core. That's my opinion. And so, I, I really hope that... Because, you know, Mishfest was under attack for, what, 15, 20 years? I mean, a long time.
2: It was, and I, I mean again, like we all disagree, we all have our ideas and our, or where we do crossover, but I think one of the things that got put into the narrative about festival was that, you know, there are women here who just came here to chase away trans women and make their lives miserable, right? Now, the The truth and the narrative of the story is that in 1993, Nancy Burkholder was asked to leave. She was asked to leave and she was given her ticket money back. She was put up in a hotel and she was given a refund for her transportation, which has never been done before or since. Okay, And Michigan, like I said, learned. We learned. Lisa Vogel is very clear that that was actually not right. And that has never happened again. And since then, trans women have come here every year. They, they've written about their experiences on the land. They've talked about their experiences on the land. And that's actually been held in the space. But what's interesting to me is that there hasn't been a push to build the community. There's been a push to say, this community is wrong, right? And so what we're hoping is that people will understand that we're here to build. Yeah. And that, that the instinct here should be about building women's community. Um, However
0: you define the word woman, which uh, is and mm -hmm. hopefully that'll be enough for them. I'm saying that realistically after what I've been through, because I I bent over backwards trying to please them and say things the way they wanted them to be said and all of that. And it was never enough unfortunately, in my individual case. And it's, it, it wasn't enough with Mishfest either. You know what I mean? And so... I think there'd be a bunch of
2: trans women who did come here year after year who would say the exact opposite, right? But no one wants to talk to those women. So I think, again, there's struggle. There's always going to be struggle within communities and without communities. But I'm again, I'm hoping that we can all just see that there is an existential threat that has always been there and that we are all, you know, the fuzzy end of the lollipop on that. And it's time for us to not to tear these things down and to tear, to build ourselves up so we can actually focus on the thing that's got its boot on our neck. And I, I realize that we, you know, there is struggle around definitions and there's real reasons for that. And there's real misogyny that is coming out of certain quarters and that's, that's real. But this space is about focusing on women and that is what we are dedicated to. And that is what we are making this space for and for the little girls who don't have any space to become strong women that's what we're here to do
0: and at this gathering i've heard very little i mean it's been about building things up and it's been very positive and visionary and not just trying to defend ourselves and defend the land and come up with definitions and chiseling things out and arguing you know it's just been such an amazing positive experience to be here As it always was for me at Mishfest, but not always, you know, I mean, there's always going to be struggle and conflict, but how do you approach that struggle and that conflict? Do you, like you were saying earlier, Karen, do you come at it with an attitude of, we can work this out and we're going to be in conversation and dialogue with one another and we're going to work on projects together? Or do you come at it with, you're wrong, no matter what you say, you're wrong and therefore end of discussion and this place is a tra- there as a tradition has been a place where conflict and struggle has been worked out worked on and worked out right and so, what I would
1: say to that
0: specifically I mean because I've been involved in some difficult
1: conversations this week about you know racism and I've been in conversations specifically and particularly about racism that don't have the space to happen you know outside out, outside the gate right and that the difference about being here and in this particular community is that we hold each other to a higher standard and we expect a deeper level of understanding and in order to achieve that you have to you have to talk to each other and so much about the conflict that you know festival face I mean it didn't there wasn't a whole lot of interest in having those conversations, and really, at the end of the day, like Karen worked in a an ongoing workshop called Allies and Understanding, that was built specifically to address the issue of being able to have the conversation and have the conversation in a safe and safer and respectful way. But the thing that we do here is that I hold myself to a higher standard. And we should feel compelled to hold each other to a higher standard of deeper understanding, of a desire for, towards mutual understanding. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's understood that we all want the same thing. And that this space, despite our disagreements, is our literal and figurative common ground. This is the thing that we can agree on. And this is the thing that we want preserved and we have a conservation easement that ensures that, that this land is actually going to be preserved in its natural state in perpetuity. Um, so there's that part of it we've covered, but we also we want our community values to be sustained and to be carried on down through generations. I want, I don't have children. But I want my friends, you know, I want I want the girls and future generations to know what they can be and that they can come to a space like this and be vulnerable and it would be okay. I mean, that I feel like is like one of the biggest things. I mean, the showers, that's about being vulnerable. And so much about this space is about figuring out those soft spots and being able to show them and having our soft spots taken care of by the space and by the women who are here I liken it I've always likened the space to it's like if if you are a car and there's preventative maintenance that needs to happen but in order for that to happen you have to pull out your engine and you have to be in a place where you could be completely immobilized for a certain amount of time which is impossible to do out there because you always have to be ready to go. You have to be able to pick up and go. So you can't pull out your engine and do the preventative maintenance if you are always feeling the need to pack up and go. And here, you can come here, you can pull your engine, you can set it on the ground, you can do the tinkering that you need to do. And the hope is our community will respect that need and see what's happening and hold you while you do the preventative maintenance that you need to do so that when you go back into the world your engine is finely tuned and you're better prepared to be able to escape those threats and run right run more efficiently and run better and all that and i think we don't
2: talk about like the fear factor of things like we always i think one thing it's another metaphor that we use all the time but you don't even know how much baggage you're carrying in the world until you put it down and I think for most women the only time in their lives they put it down is when they get here Mm -hmm. and that's it's so deep like it is so profound and it is so constant and it is so universal that women are afraid it is it is from the moment you kind of gain consciousness like you realize that you are made to feel afraid you are prey and the predators are everywhere and we are taught to attack each other We are being attacked literally and physically by men. And that's a real thing. I mean, I I am a staff attorney at the Innocence Project and I deeply believe in my work. I love it and it is very, very important to me. And I represent all men in their efforts to prove their innocence through DNA testing. But almost ninety-eight percent of my cases have a dead woman who's been incredibly violated at the end of them. So no matter what the good outcome, if we, if we exonerate someone, it's fantastic. But I can't shake, as a feminist, the fact that there's still a trail of dead women behind all of these mm-hmm. cases. And the fear that we are not gonna be able to walk in the dark, the fear that you can't be safe in your bed, in your home, because someone might break in, the fear that that creepy guy at the bar might follow you home, the fear that someone's gonna put something in your drink, the constant hyper vigilance. Is physically and mentally devastating. And it is something that we all contend with all of the time. So to get here, and again, I'm saying this as a black woman, right? So it's like I'm an urban girl, like I, I can't stand insects, like I, I like I am not a camper by nature. And here I am in rural Michigan, heart of Trump country, and I'm here because I this is the only place in the world where I will walk around in the pitch dark and feel totally okay. It is the only place where I know in some very profound cellular cellular way that I am okay. And to have a moment to turn off the hypervigilance allows you so much more space. (laughs) I don't wanna cry, this is so crazy. (laughs) You're like Barbara Walters now. I think what what is so devastating for so many women in this community is that we lost that and to to have any moment in your life as as a female person walking on the earth where you don't need to be afraid allows your heart to expand and that allows you to connect to other human beings in a really profound way. It allows you to hold your damage in a different way, and it allows you to deal with the fear when you get out there in a different way. And so I think that that is the loss that we all are feeling in a way that's um, that we couldn't let go.
1: Right, and, you know, to speak to that, I mean, our reach is beyond the, fest- the existing festival community, and so our thing has always been, like, how do you explain... What we do here and what happens here to someone who's never experienced mm-hmm. it. And you know, before it's like, you know, you just have to go to festival, you just have to go, and then you'll know. And for so many people, that's you know, it's so true, but it's like that we don't have festival anymore, and and so we don't have the lure of the artists the workshops the film festival you know all these things where you can be you know now it's just like literally let's go camping you know let's go camping with some other women and and how do you how do we articulate what happens here so that others may feel compelled to want to experience it themselves if they it, literally don't know it like right they don't there's know no... how do you explain i mean you, you can't know what you don't know right? right you can't know what you don't know so and yes the fear the you know the the lack of fear and the
2: thing that i can i interrupt for one thing sure i, I think and we've you know we again I've been coming for 20 years, you've been coming for forever. And when we try to explain this outside, people are like, oh, well, there's really no way. How could you say there's no fear? There's women who were on the land and they, you know, they had to experience racism or they experienced this or they experienced that. There is a quantitative difference between us being human and still having all of the baggage and being able to put down some of the basic things. It's not that everything disappears. It's just that there is room because there's an existential fear that is that is inspired by the truth of the world that we live in. It's, a, it's literally a life and death fear versus the social baggage that we bring with us. And I don't, it's just, it's inex- inexplicable. It's on a different level. And, you know, it, I think it truly is cellular. I think people understand it. That's why you're pulling off your bra within seconds of getting here. Yeah. That's why moms were like, immediately were like, oh, and let their kids r- run free in a way they never would do in the real world. Like there's a real difference in when you create these little mini matriarchies that we created here.
1: Right. And there's a difference while you're here, when you're experiencing it, but there is a difference. The difference is so much more profound. I feel like when you go back into out there, I'm just going to call it out there because suddenly you know that there's another way of being. And I was super 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 angry about that like you know and then it makes you look at your whole life and like what would you what would my life have been like you if so have... much of my energy was not directed towards protecting myself how much energy do women expend protecting themselves from men and worrying about looking over your shoulder. We just do it. We just do it. We don't think about it. And it's normalized. It's like in, in, it's in our culture. Like, well, why was she out by herself? Of course it's going to happen. It's like it's the, that assumption. Of course that's going to happen. As if it can't be changed. As if we shouldn't try changing it. And it's, it's normal. Right. And it, the understanding that things could be different is what propels me when I'm back in the world to make a difference, right? Things can be different. I know it. I know it. I experienced it. It's real. We don't have to live like this. And it's BS that we that we think we do. Mm-hmm. It's BS that we think we do. And so then it becomes holding the rest of the world to that higher standard as well. And that's the thing that fuels activism, right? We all, that is the thing that compels us to make things
2: better. And it's not just the physical violence. I think there's also all of the other bullshit that's so internal that keeps us from doing the work so it's like oh I'm not a guy doesn't want to fuck me or there you know or I'm aging so therefore I'm I'm not worthy or all of the other stuff that makes us I mean it's it's like the biggest con job ever patriarchy is like the biggest con job because it's just reversals 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 Mm -hmm. reversals and the idea that anything other than a 17 year old skinny white woman with relatively big boobs is the only thing that is worthy and anything that deviates from that is repulsive, right? And so you think that that's and whether or not whatever feminist belief you think, it's in there. Because we're getting it has to be, you know, constantly repeated, otherwise you'll start to doubt it, right? So it's just constantly on loop and it gets in your head, and then you walk into this place or you walked into festival and you're like, Oh, that woman is 64 and she is gorgeous and oh that 40 year old woman is chopping down a tree with an axe and oh that eight-year-old kid is speaking up at a community meeting and giving us really good feedback about how to make this part of things run better and then you start to understand you've been fed a lie and you cannot it's pandora's box Mm -hmm. your eye the minute your eyes are open Everything else is defined Mm -hmm. from that truth, and I feel like that's why people came for this place so hard. Because your consciousness is is (laughs) awoke. It's real.
0: Well, I really admire this project, and I feel the community force of it. And I hope our listeners can feel that too. And I just want to thank you so much for being here. I was carrying a bunch of baggage that I didn't know I was carrying. I mean, I'm pretty aware, actually, of a lot of the baggage that I carry because I've been so under attack uh, on an individual level in a political way. But I've gotten used to it. It's like you you don't even know that you're always acting from a place of self-protection in the world. And you come here, and I think Nitra has a song about it, the August Moon song, The first time I came to festival, I put down my baggage that I didn't even know I had. I'm not saying what her lyrics are exactly, but when I heard that lyric, I was like, yeah, wow. Do I feel different? And I never could have predicted that I would feel this different if I hadn't come here. So I just want to thank you for taking that experience and turning it into the fuel and passion to maintain this place on a material level forever and for women for girls forever so thank you very much thank Thank you. you